episode 433, Raise Your Mental Game, learning from Kobe and the world's best, Alan Stein Jr. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of the number one men's development podcast that is now a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Towers and Tactics to Thrive. And it is my mission to share you the real stories, the useful stuff, the juicy stuff, and the reality of what it takes to thrive. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can do that. So head over to talkxcelerator.com. Jump across there and it'll have all the information, case studies, why you might want to do it, all the information around it. And also, if you jump on the green button on there, you can book in a complimentary idea clarity call to speak with me. What is your idea worth sharing? It's time to play a bigger game. It's time to amplify your message and make it happen. Get to the podcast. Okay, enjoy the show. Hey, so just wanted to add a quick note as this interview goes out. This interview was originally recorded right at the start of the year. And to give it context, we do talk about Kobe Bryant, but this actually was about a week to two weeks before um, Kobe Bryant's death in the helicopter crash. So obviously we don't reference that but we do talk about some of the experiences that Alan had with Kobe and some of the other basketball superstars that he has worked with. This week, we have Alan Stein Jr. on the line. He's worked as a performance coach for some of the highest performing athletes on the planet, including NBA superstar Kevin Durant and Kobe Bryant. He's, we've, I'm going to get the Kobe Bryant story. I absolutely love that. He's a motivational speaker. He's got a history in basketball. I'm really excited to talk about high-performance speaking today. Alan, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? I'm always ready. Yes, sir. Awesome. So that was a very brief introduction because I like to jump straight into it. Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? What are you all about at the moment? No, well, one thing I just thought of, I, I live by a code that you always need to be ready because there's not always time to get ready. And I, I love that you asked me if I was ready and, and certainly I'm prepared and ready to rock and roll with you. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate. I've had a really fun basketball journey. You know, basketball was my first identifiable passion. I fell in love with the game. Uh, almost 40 years ago now, and it's still a major staple in my life. And, and I think um, anytime you can combine something you're passionate about with something you believe in and something you're pretty decent at, that's your strength zone. And, and I try to spend as much time in my strength zone as possible, which is what allows me to wake up every single day with a sense of purpose, uh, a sense of optimism and positivity, just because I love what I do. And, and I love connecting with people like you. Uh, I know before you hit record, uh, you kind of shared how we connected originally. And I love hearing those types of stories. I mean, it's, it's one of the neat things about the digital landscape today is that we can connect with people that we more than likely would have never met otherwise. And that's why I'm so active on social media because I get to meet awesome people like you and now have an opportunity to share with your listeners. Awesome. Growing up, I was mad on basketball. I was in the wrong country, though. In, in England, I was really seen as a weirdo, and it was, yeah, so it was not cool. And I had to like scrape friends together, please play on a team to make a team kind of situation. And I had dreams of NBA for a short period until everyone just battered me down saying I was too short. Your origins, tell us where you're originally from, where you're speaking to us from today. And with that initial basketball love, 
were their thoughts of the NBA and what happened along that and when you transitioned to more, you know, behind the scenes working with NBA superstars? Most certainly. Uh, so I live in Gaithersburg, Maryland. It's a small suburb about 30 minutes north of Washington, D.C. So I'm on the east coast of the United States. Uh, and this is actually where I grew up. Uh, I went down and played high school, uh, excuse me, college in North Carolina uh, and played at Elon College, which is now Elon University. And I played there in the late 90s, uh, but then moved back here to my hometown once I graduated yeah. uh, and have been here ever since. I don't want to assume, but were you a god? I was a guard, yeah. So I'm 6'1", 180 pounds. So uh, I always laugh. I was kind of a shoot first point guard. Uh, back in my younger days, man, I never met a shot that I wouldn't jack up, uh, but didn't always uh, accept the role that a point guard's job is to get everyone else involved and set up the offense. Uh, looking back on it, I was probably a little bit too worried about getting my own shot uh, as opposed to you know serving my teammates. But that's one of the things that I love about my journey is I can look back at all of the mistakes that I made as a player and as a coach and learn from those. And they give me more empathy now when I'm working with, with other, you know, folks. And one of the things that's cool about my journey is when I played in high school, I was one of the better players. You know, I started, I played most of the game. I got to shoot whenever I wanted. Then I went to college and I had a very different role. I didn't play very much and I didn't get in the game to get shots, you know, so I'm able to see, the game from both perspectives. And when I would work with players, you know, I, I felt a, an empathy and a compassion and a kinship for those that got to play a lot and the pressures and expectations of them. But I also got a chance to have some empathy and compassion for the players that don't get in and don't play a lot and how hard that is to still show up every day and practice as hard as you can, yeah. even though you're not going to get in the game. I feel like that's harder from my experiences. Talk to us about your mentality and dealing with that in terms of you're there, you're capable, and you're just sitting on the bench. It's literally like in a lot of, you know, motivational speaking, we're always talking about, you know, being in the arena, participating, doing it. And you're sitting there on the bench and you're just, you, like you say, you've got to be ready, but it's very tough. Oh, it's so tough. And it's so frustrating. And part of what makes my journey, I mean, looking back on it, it's almost embarrassing, but I had a really bad attitude about it. I mean, the, the way that I had my attitude for not playing is the exact opposite of what I now preach. And mm. um, that's not because I'm a hypocrite. That's because I learned, you know, uh, back, back then I would blame other people for why I wasn't playing. I'd blame the coach. Uh, I'd make excuses on why I wasn't playing. And I'd spend so much time complaining that if I would have put my energy into working on my game to earn more playing time, that would have been a much better approach. And instead of having the attitude that, well, I'm not going to play a lot, but I can still be a great teammate and I can still be practice hard every day and mm. I can support the guys in front of me. I didn't have that attitude. I had a very selfish uh, attitude about it. And I'm okay with that now because that taught me so many lessons. And I've learned that the way that I behaved when I was younger is the exact opposite of the way that I choose to behave today and the way that I encourage others to behave. But I'm thankful that I went through that because once again, it gives me all of these different perspectives. I know what it's like to be a good player. I know what it's like to be a role player. I know what it's like uh, to have a good attitude. I know what it's like to have a bad attitude. I know what it's like to be coachable. I know what it's like to not be coachable. And all of this stuff mixed together, I think, is, is what allows me um, to, to be able to share things of real value with people today, both on and off the court. Yeah. When you was talking about that, it, it reminded me of the sort of the flip. I interviewed Lance Ulrich, the first deaf player in the NBA. Oh, and yeah. his, his attitude... Ex he was, 
he didn't get the time when he got to sort of a higher level and he was on the bench and he used to get literally laughed at by his teammates of how he just how hard he went in practice and they're like what are you doing and he's like this is my game time like he would go that extra mile extra mile and then the when there was a trade someone broke their leg and the coach literally said just you know just hold the fort go in there i'm not expecting much just you know try to get a couple of rebounds and he went in there and he was like, he was ready. And he, you know, he took hold of it, took his, he knew he'd get one shot literally. And he yeah. just, from there, he, he smashed it. And then, you know, went on and on and, and finally made the NBA at 28, I think. Uh, oh, absolutely. So, yeah. One thing I've, I've learned in my, my journeys, there's a difference between something being understandable and being acceptable. Um, I now understand if I'm working with a team and the 15th man who never takes his shooting shirt off, never gets in the game, I have empathy and can understand why he would have a bad attitude, why he would blame people and make excuses and complain. I can understand that, but it doesn't mean that it's acceptable. In fact, it's unacceptable to have that type of attitude. Uh, same thing, if, if uh, a player misses a wide open layup, I can understand why they're disappointed and they're dejected and they're embarrassed and why they're jogging back on defense, but that doesn't mean that it's acceptable to do that. They need to move to the next play and sprint back as hard as they can. So having seen all of these different perspectives from different vantage points, I now have great clarity over what things are understandable and I can have compassion and empathy for, but what things are unacceptable and you simply can't tolerate as a coach or as a teammate. Yeah, it's interesting and, and you know, being willing to fail and then dealing with it, how quickly you bounce back. Yeah, and that's the separator between good and great and great and elite is how quickly can you move to the next play? Uh, how quickly can you refocus your lens on what they say is it's the acronym WIN, W-I-N, what's important now? Uh, my definition of mental toughness is one's ability to refocus on the next important thing immediately no matter what's going on in the environment, no matter how much chaos or distraction there is, are you able to focus on the next important thing? And this is true on and off the court. You know, you turn the ball over. Are you able to quickly focus on the next important thing, which is to play defense? Um, if you're a sales professional and you've got a series of sales calls today and the first three don't go your way, are you going to allow that to drag you down for your fourth call? Are you able to move to the next play, refocus your lens, and enter that fourth call with the same level of optimism and positivity and preparation that you did for the others? Are you able to refocus on what's important now? So if I was a sales professional, this next call is what's most important to me. Those three that just happened that didn't go my way, they're no longer important because they're over and they're done. So mental toughness is that ability to focus on the next important thing. And I make that sound very easy to do. It's not. I truly believe that having mental toughness and moving to the next play in any area of life might be one of the most challenging things we have to do as human beings. Yeah, completely agree. Who helped awaken your alpha and your transition when you reset, you know, focused on the next play in your life? I think what's really neat is, you know, as a child, when I'm in elementary school and in third and fourth grade, you know, I'm, I'm the best player at my elementary school. So in my mind, with a very narrow worldview, I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'll be able to play in the NBA one day because I'm the best player at my school. And it was probably crystal clear to me by seventh or eighth grade that I probably wasn't going to be an NBA player, but that I still loved the game and I still wanted to play at the highest level I was capable of which Elon, I'm, I'm very thankful to have played there. And, uh, but it, yeah, it was clear to me I wasn't going to be an NBA player, but I did make the decision that I wanted to make my living in the game of basketball. 
and I wanted to figure out a way that, that I could do that. And, um, the most obvious would be at least at that time would be to maybe be a high school teacher and a coach. But I'm thankful that at the age that I was, uh, this boom of strength and conditioning and performance training was really starting to get going. There was, it was starting to be ignited. Um, and I started falling in love with the training stuff in both high school and college. So for me, the thought that I could make a living training basketball players in performance work just sounded like the perfect job for me. And it turned out to be an excellent one. I mean, I did that for almost 20 years before I made this leap to the corporate space. And, and I realized that, okay, I'm not going to be able to play professionally, but I can have a service and work on a set of skills that will allow me to work with professional athletes. And to me, that was the next best thing. Absolutely awesome. Can you tell us a, a real challenge, a real struggle, uh, you know, ultimately a down period where you really had to awaken your alpha to, to continue to move forwards? Because it's very easy to you know, compare your reality to someone else's highlight reel. And, and I know growing up, part of my basketball was put slightly to the side for me. I only watched highlights. I thought Jordan didn't miss a shot because I would yeah. watch these half hour from England. I watched these half hour shows and I'm like, oh my God, they just show swish, swish, swish. Now I wish I'd seen the reality of games and, you know, professionals miss a lot. <laughs> so I oh, want yeah. yeah, a challenge for you when you really uh, had to awaken your alpha. Well, for me, the, the main challenge was just that I was entering in an, an industry and a niche and a genre that was unestablished at the time. I mean, to put this in context, in 1998, when I graduated from college, less than a third of NBA teams even had a strength and conditioning consultant. And that strength and conditioning consultant was usually, and I kid you not, like the biggest, most muscular guy at the nearest Gold's gym. Because they just figured <laughs> this guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to lifting weights. But these were people that were not trained anything from a basketball standpoint. So when I entered, there, there, it was kind of the industry was, was non-existent. Now, fast forward to now, not only does every NBA team have a strength and conditioning coach, they have an entire performance department. Most players have bought into the fact they need to do some type of performance training, but it was a much harder sell, you know, 25, 30 years ago. I know you, you managed to have a run in and observe some of the top players, including Kobe Bryant, and then stepping away from that arena, the highest level. Why did you step away? But also... Too many questions here, but that's <laughs> okay. us about a highlight in there. I want to give you the freedom. For sure. Well, the reason that I chose to step away, and, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to believe that I stepped away from the game or left basketball completely, but I definitely shift my focus and I shifted my audience. And after 20 years in the space, I was just ready for a change. I was ready to do something different. Uh, I was finding that the last few years of my performance training career, I was less interested in the sets and reps and programming of a workout. And I was more interested in things like leadership, communication, accountability, building cohesion, creating cultures. And that's what really occupied my mental space. That's everything I was reading and listening to and watching had to do with that. So part of it was just, I, I don't want to be over dramatic and say I was getting burnt out on the training, but it definitely didn't excite me as much as it used to. And mm. I wanted to do something more in the leadership culture space. And while I was making that change, I just decided to expand outside of the four walls of the gymnasium and take those lessons and strategies and principles and apply them to other areas, which for the most part now is in business. Uh, I still speak to athletic teams and I speak at schools, but most of what I do now is in the corporate world. And I teach businesses and organizations 
how to use the same principles and strategies and mindsets and routines and rituals that elite players and coaches use. And I teach them how to apply that to their business. So even if someone listening uh, isn't a basketball fan or a basketball person, you can still learn from the lessons I've learned from guys like Kobe Bryant and Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry. And then I consider my job now is to paint that picture so vividly to teach you how to use those. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Tell us a little bit about, you talked about the mindset of Kobe Bryant, your experience of him. Obviously, there's lots in the media and there's, you know, it's, it's almost legendary, some of the stories. But tell us about your experience on it firsthand and how you not discovered him, but, you know, came across him in person. So I had an opportunity in 2007, uh, Nike, I'd done some work with Nike before they brought me out to work the first ever Kobe Bryant skills Academy. And Nike was starting this new concept of taking their signature players who at the time was Kobe, LeBron, Steve Nash, Paul Pierce, Vince Carter, I think, um, and Amari, and Amari Stoudemire. Those were I the love big Vince. six. I can't believe he's still going. Oh. Is he, he hasn't he, retired yet. Has he still? I don't think. No, and now that he just suited up for a game in, in the current year of 2020, he's the first professional athlete in any of the major sports to play a game in four different decades. Wow. And he's he not played, limping along. He is awesome still. Oh, he, he is amazing. Awesome. So, so Nike came up with this concept to go back to teaching the fundamentals to high school and college players through the lens of their marquee players. And they brought me out to be the performance coach at Kobe's camp and, um, uh, I'll shorten the story a little bit just to say that I had an opportunity to watch him do a very early morning workout uh, before camp started. And I remember being blown away at how basic the drills were that he was doing, the, the sheer simplicity. You know, as a young coach, I was expecting that the best player in the world, and at the time he was the best player in the world, I thought he was going to be doing a lot of sexy drills and a lot of flashy and a lot of, and he wasn't. He was really committed to the fundamentals and the basics. And that was the lesson that I pulled from that because it was something he told me specifically when I asked why he was doing such basic drills. He said the reason he's so good is because he never gets bored with the basics. And that was such a powerful lesson for me that I've since applied to every area of my life. You know, in order for me to be the best in any area of my life, whether it's a speaker, an author, a father, I have to continually focus on the fundamentals and the basics of what that takes. And if you stick to the basics in whatever your chosen field or industry is, and you work towards mastery of those basics during the unseen hours, you give yourself the best chance of being as successful as you're capable of. And for the listeners, um, I know this, but what time was that in the morning as well? To- <laughs> well, he had thing. said his workout was going to be at 4 a.m. And I wanted to beat him to the gym so that I could really impress him. So I got there at 3.30 a.m., and he was already there. He had probably gotten there at three in the morning and was going through an intense warm up before his workout started. So that was the other thing. Here I'm thinking I'm going to impress him by getting there super early, and I'm actually late to the party. Man, no, people like him and Jordan are just different level when it comes to that aspect. It's a it's full sure. on. Cool. So we're going to move into the alpha round here. And um, sure. I like to start that off with is there a particular favorite quote? or quote that really sums up your approach to life and sports and business? That, well, I've been a, a self-diagnosed quote nerd for my entire life. Like I've been writing down quotes. It started <laughs> on one of those old yellow legal pads. And then uh, with the advent of the computer, started typing them into Word documents. Uh, there's so many that I like. Um, one is, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting what you've been getting. If you don't like what you've been getting, then you need to change what you've been doing. And really that's kind of a rhythmically way to say 
that if you want to have a change, then you need to make a change. If you don't like the results you've been getting, then you can't sit around complaining and making excuses and blaming other people for them, kind of like I did back in college. What you need to do is you need to change something you've been doing. So if you want a different output, you need to change your inputs. And, and I've always loved that. Um, and, and, and I could go on and on about, you know, all of the quotes that I like. Uh, another one is, and this piggybacks on the one I just said, if nothing changes, nothing changes. You have to be willing to make that change. And I've probably got 10 to 12 quotes that I use very regularly and they're all meaningful to me because I've always found the power in language and in words. And when someone can encapsulate a certain feeling based on a quote, uh, I've always been attracted to that. Awesome. Is there a particularly impactful book that you, you either you read it at the right time or if that, that isn't the case, maybe one that you really recommend and um, gift to people? Uh, there have been several. Um, one of the most impactful ones uh, was Leading with the Heart by Coach K, uh, the current oh. coach at Duke. Okay. Uh, another one was Success is a Choice, uh, which was uh, written um, by Rick Pitino, uh, former college and NBA coach. Uh, two of the, those two really stand out as ones that kind of changed the way that I thought and approached what it was that I was doing. Uh, but I'm a very voracious reader. I've got so many books that I'm devouring all the time, uh, not just in written form, but I love audio books as well. Awesome. Um, is there a particular resource that you use either in your personal life or business life that you think is, is a cool little resource? Obviously you'd cope without it, but it, and if it is widely known, maybe you use it in a different way. Is there anything that springs to mind? Uh, there's three uh, real quick. Uh, one is I just love podcasts. I mean, <laughs> obviously I'm, I'm on yours. Um, so I devour podcasts all the time and I listen to a wide range. I, I listen to anything that I believe will allow me to get better as a person and, and at my craft than I'll listen to. So I've probably got 20 or 30 shows um, that I, I'll listen to sporadically when I'm traveling or when I'm working out. Uh, another is uh, I'm a big believer in uh, daily meditation practice. So I use the Headspace app uh, okay. and I do a guided meditation for 10 minutes every single day. Um, and that just allows me to start my day in a very grounded, present and aware time frame. Uh, the other and anyone that follows me on social will know that uh, I've adopted uh, intermittent fasting um, for the past year. And there's an app called Zero, which helps me keep track of intermittent fasting and um, certainly it, too expansive to, to describe the benefits of that. Just Google yeah. benefits of intermittent fasting, benefits of meditation. And that's why I've bought in, you know, bought in full uh, to those two different uh, modalities. And those two apps have been really helpful. Awesome. And I'll probably put in the show notes, a link about intermittent fasting. I think I've done an episode. I've, again, I completely agree. I, I've used Headspace. I'm not currently using it. It's just kind of reminding me. It's always good to refresh. And I've sure. been doing intermittent fasting for over four years. And it was actually from wow. talking to, someone I interviewed, um, John Romanello, he wrote uh -huh. a book, had the foreword by Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's uh, Engineering the Alpha, that's the book. And, I um, love it. You know, so that, the, like you said, the benefits are there. And I, it's something I find, dependent on where you're traveling and all other aspects of diet, is something that you really can stick to. <laughs> Absolutely, without question. Oh, that's really cool. From your network, and man, this is, you've got a lot to pick from here. Who would you recommend, having gone through the bulk of the interview, would be a brilliant interview for Awaken Your Alpha um, and bring value to the show? And, and you think I'd be able to get them <laughs> if you're connected. I know you could go right up to all sorts of uh, well-known superstars. 
Oh, absolutely, man. There's a there's a long list of people. The the first one that pops into my head is is Drew Hanlon, um, who is the founder and creator of Pure Sweat Basketball, and who I believe is the best strategic skills coach uh, in the world. Um, he trains a lot of the younger players in the NBA. Does a phenomenal job. Uh, is such a bright mind. I've learned so much from him. Even though he's 15 years younger than I am, uh, I've learned so much from him. Just on ways of preparing and so forth. Uh, he was actually the one that came up with the term unseen hours uh, that I've stolen from him and I use in all of the stuff that I do. Uh, but oh. Drew is great. And I, I would happy, be happy to provide an introduction because uh, I, I know Drew would add a lot of value to you and to your listeners. Um, I want to talk to you briefly um, about fear and uh, your approach to fear, what you've seen in some of these elite players and maybe players that where it, where they haven't coped with it well. What is your thoughts to fear and in life as well as the game? couple thoughts. One, uh, fear is inevitable. Uh, everyone is going to experience it at some time and to varying degrees. So it's not something that you can resist or run from. So I think when you're willing to embrace the fears that you have and lean into them, it usually makes them more palpable. Uh, and we can have fears on a variety of different levels. You know, you can have a visceral fear to being scared of uh, needles or snakes or, or something like that. Uh, but you can also have the fear that you're never going to live up to someone's expectations or that your business is going to fail. Uh, you could have a fear that something catastrophic is going to happen to your children or a loved one. I mean, there's, so there's so many different levels of fear. Uh, but since we can't um, eliminate it completely, I do my best in my personal life just to lean into it when it's inevitable. And to just, as I mentioned earlier, just focus on the present moment. You know, uh, as a father of three young kids, I'm aware that something could happen to my children at any given time on any given day, but I don't control that. So it doesn't actually do me any good to let it occupy my mental space and worry about that. I mean, I know providing safety to my children is my number one job as a father. And when they're in my care, I do my best to do that. But I don't sit around thinking, you know, what if something awful happens to them today? Um, I, I mentioned snakes and needles because I don't like either one of those things. I'm a little <laughs> fearful of both of them, but you know, unless a snake is slithering up on me or I have a doctor's appointment where I have to, you know, uh, be on the business end of a needle, I just don't spend time worrying about it. And then if, and when those things happen, hopefully I'll be equipped to deal with them appropriately. But yeah. the last thing I'll say is fear can also be a really good thing because fear keeps us sharp. I believe there's a huge difference between having fear and being scared. Uh, being scared will paralyze you. Mm -hmm. Having fear keeps you healthy. The best example I can give, if you are going to walk across the tightrope, uh, fear is what's actually going to keep you focused and dialed in to walk across that tightrope uh, tight with precision and care and accuracy. If you weren't afraid of falling, you'd just be willy-nilly and you'd just walk across that thing haphazardly. But the fear is what keeps you on there. So I think if you're smart, you can make sure that fear doesn't paralyze you and you can use it as a way to fuel and motivate you to be an alpha. Awesome. Well, as soon as you said you're scared of snakes, uh, I thought you and Indi Indiana Jones, that's not too bad. We? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in good company. <laughs> awesome. Um, if people want to continue the conversation, because I do, this has been absolutely brilliant and the time has flown. What's the best way they can connect with you? So if they have an interest in the book, Raise Your Game, you can go to raiseyourgamebook.com or you can just search for it on Amazon. Uh, anyone listening, if you wanted to get multiple copies for friends, colleagues, uh, a team, uh, I can offer a 42% discount on anyone that wants to order in bulk. And I just released a facilitator guidebook and a team member workbook that works alongside the book 
for anyone that wants to use it as kind of a book study with their organization to really pull those lessons out. Uh, if anyone's interested on the speaking side, uh, you can just go to allensteinjr.com. Uh, I speak to, to teams. I speak to companies. And if in-person's not logistically or financially possible, uh, I also do video calls um, where we can use you know, digital and technology as a way to connect. And then lastly, uh, I have a podcast. It's called The Raise Your Game Show, and you can search for it wherever you listen to podcasts. And then I'm also at Alan Stein Jr. on all of the major social handles and love having conversations. So if anyone was listening to this show uh, and I said something that resonated or I said something that you disagree with and want to challenge, by all means, hit me up on social because I love having conversations. Brilliant. Alan, it's been an absolute pleasure today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. Please do subscribe, reach out, connect, pick up a copy of Awaken Your Alpha, Thousand Tactics to Thrive, available on Amazon. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can do that. So head over to talkxcelerator.com. Jump across there and it'll have all the information, case studies, why you might want to do it, all the information around it. And also, if you jump on the green button on there, you can book in a complimentary idea clarity call to speak with me. What is your idea worth sharing? It's time to play a bigger game. It's time to amplify your message and make it happen. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.
the Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back 